And welcome to an Evening the Geek Happy New Year edition. I'm John Bonus. Twins Daily with me, Aaron Gleeman of the Athletic. New Year, same number. <laughs> that's for the twins. That's not a bad title for the for the podcast. Yeah, okay. There we go. We're done. Okay. That's our new for 2024. Well, we, we do actually have. I mean, there, listen, we, there's always a slow, slow time around Christmas to New Year's in Major League Baseball. Sure. Period. Right. But. Uh, the fact that it was preceded by two and a half months of nothing beforehand right. makes it a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit no, more we, significant. We do this show basically, I think in 2024, the goal for each episode is we'll go until we stumble across a phrase that we like for the title of the episode. <laughs> is that the way it's going if to it happens a half hour in, then That's the right. show's a half hour. That's, right. That's when happen, happens so real 30 quickly, seconds here's our sponsors. in. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to. Uh, yeah, the twins, although I will say. You know, there's been quite a few – like there's Chris Sale trade and signing. There was yeah. – if you set the, the Frankie Montes sign, we'll go over all that. Giolito sign. There's right. a lot of interesting yeah. stuff. There's been some trades. If you separate the Twins from the rest of MLB, I think the perception of MLB's offseason is not that it's been, you know, wild and crazy like sure. a NBA or NFL offseason where it all happens in a weekend right. basically. Right. But – been fairly active before and sure. after the holidays, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And so the twins are just so, even by their standards, which their standards are to be slow always, right. even when they have money to spend right. and holes to fill. They, and, they tend to wait out the market right. and see what comes out. Uh, right. But yes. they've essentially done nothing except for uh, about a week ago, they signed a reliever named Josh Stalmont, a former uh, Royals, spent five years in the Royals bullpen. The twins know him very well. He's thrown, I think, 20 career innings against the the Twins, which is a lot for a reliever. Uh, so we're going to talk about him. Right. They also yesterday claimed a, another right-handed reliever named Ryan Jensen off waivers, right. uh, which normally, I'm going to be honest, in a, an active uh, time period, that would be, you know, we would, uh, we, we three would, minutes. We would still cover it. Yeah, but <laughs> barely. So we'll do, you know, 40, 45 minutes right. on Ryan Jensen's waiver claim. No, we'll do, well, you know, four minutes instead of two <laughs> minutes on Ryan Jensen and talk about how that sort of fits uh, their MO of late or this regime's MO with bullpen building sure. and all that stuff. But so there, there's yeah, some. Just st- Josh on yeah, so there's just Josh <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then the, the center field market has clarified itself a little bit since our last uh, free episode, which was like 10 days ago or 12 days ago. Yeah, we spent a fair amount of time on the 22nd, sir, talking about the, the names that were still left there yes. and debating which way we thought the Many Twins of the whether names. or not they would sign a free agent. And Yes. I fear we were correct, or I was – we. Not that you thought they definitely would sign one, but I, what we debated at the time or argued about at the time was I was saying I don't think they're going to sign anybody. No, I actually thought that they would. I thought that was the third, the least likely. Right. I think. Right. It's okay to admit you were. Wrong. But but uh, John, it's I th- okay I th- to. Admit- I thought they would trade somebody. Trade well, for that's somebody. still possible. Yes, it's okay that- to admit you were wrong. It's it's actually encouraged when I'm right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't need you to admit when you're wrong when it's you and Chrissy arguing, but when it's me and you, I'm, I encourage you to admit you're wrong. Uh, and I would discourage you from saying you're right just because it comes across poorly <laughs> sure, as yes, I am right now, but I don't mind that because I just like to be right. Uh, so yeah, we got, we got some, some news and notes to talk about a few, a few, uh, 
you know, the tree's been shook a few times, at least for the MLB offseason, and so we can react to, sure. to some of that stuff. We also just wanted to say, because this is our first episode of the new year, I'm old as hell now. <laughs> Aaron just I'm catching had John. 41st birthday. Yes, well, don't tell people that. I'll never be cast in a leading <laughs> well, role now. I mean, I my birthday present to you was not tweeting out happy 49th birthday yeah. to you, Aaron Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> my usual birthday gift to people is. I'm old enough now where it's hard to tell if it's a joke when you say I'm 50 or not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because um, yeah, for years I got to say, like, happy 90th. And people are like, he's not 90, <laughs> is he? Could be. Uh, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's a new year. We uh, we're always I'm, we won't go super into it because I tweeted out some of the numbers already. But um, for those of you not on Twitter or who have me muted on Twitter, right, which I yeah, wouldn't right. blame you. I know John. Or those of you that he's blocked on Twitter, <laughs> that too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mostly I'm I'm a muter. Mostly not a block. If you got if you are if you've been, I'm a blocker. Yeah, John's a, a blocker. Muter, yeah. If you've been blocked by me on Twitter, you earned it. Because <laughs> I'll just mute. You know, if it's it's up for debate, but. Um, you lovely people hearing this are not the sort that I would do that. We we are always pretty um, I don't know upfront whether you guys want need it or right. want the information or not about our audience and the growth of the show and just sort of the state of the show. We like to do either at the end of the year or the beginning of the new year, in part because we're proud of it, in part because it's something we talk about a lot between the two of us because we're both. It's important to us just from a you know right. business standpoint, but also we've been interested in this topic for 15, 20 years, right. which is you know the kind of how to grow an independent media thing, how to right. get eyes on something, how to once you do get some eyes on it, how to kind of turn that into something bigger, and also right. you know I the last time I talked about this was somebody with was with uh, Jay Bowler from the uh, the Racket. Which is a great independent publication. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which kind of replaced City yeah, Pages. I need to talk to them. Um, and we kind of feel the same way, which is they always write a thing at the end of each year and they say, yeah, here's what happened yes. this year. Yeah. Here's, they're a little I've bit more, it's very good. they're even more kind of revealing than we are because yeah, they'll be fantastic. like, here's every penny of right? what we made. Yeah. We're not going to go into that, but we'll get close to that. And I think it's important for us but more important for like people who are thinking about trying something like this themselves whether it's on a bigger scale a yes. smaller scale somebody you know uh sports media in specifically or just media in general it's a it's a tough time there are a lot of very good people getting fired from yes. very good jobs with with no clear alternative kind of landing spot and that's unfortunate and what happens to a lot of those people is they say, what if I start my own thing? Right. And so we like to talk about this stuff as a way to kind of, not in, I wouldn't say encourage them, it's a decision you got to make for yourself if you're in that situation, but to kind of give you as much information as possible because this is something we would have found valuable you know, 12 years ago when we were like, should right. we do a podcast? Right. If there had been a local podcast that just said, here's our numbers, here's how we grow. So anyway, that's a lot of build up to what is probably only interesting well, I, to Let me us, just but, add to that as yeah. well, which is I think there is a value in demonstrating to corporate media the sort of non-traditional well, media true, that yeah. ends up thriving when in a, you know, in what is perceived to be a rocky, uh, unforgiving landscape. You know what I mean? Like if the fact that people do want to talk about things. I, I mean, we've certainly seen you know, broad twins broadcasts and media and such move 
in the direction that the blogs were 15 or sure. 20 years ago. The, the same topics that we were writing about that people were like, what? You right. know, the, the, we're taboo, no, first I think, in they, corporate media. First right? they ignore, <coughs> then right. they mock, and yeah. then they become. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen, we've seen that move. And the more that we sort of demonstrate, listen, there's a market out here for this. Right. Even beyond you know trying to encourage other people to do this sort of thing or so on, but also just trying to tell you know the people who are making decisions and the people who are afraid that the market can't possibly support this thing, even though they already have a market, they have that sort of reach into. Right. You know, they have a television station, they have a radio station. We want to be able to demonstrate to them, hey, this is something that you guys. Well, this is acceptable stuff, and right? this is something, and, and people will support it. We've literally been trying to show <laughs> uh, non-independent media, like you know, right. mainstream media or you know, normal media, whether. Associate with the twins, associate with local broadcast outlets in right. Minnesota, or yeah. just in general. Right. There, it's been a decade plus long yeah, struggle. Two decade plus. Yeah, really. I mean, it was two thousand two. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. At the beginning, we didn't have much to convince them of because we didn't have much. But <laughs> right, yes, right. to show them. I mean, we've had conversations with twins employees. Will they'll be like? What are you guys getting on uh, on podcast? About two, about two thousand people listening, and we'll be like, "Oh, last uh, episode had eighteen thousand downloads," and they'll be like, right. "What now?" And it's it, they're always shocked. Twenty years later, they're right. shocked. And I'm not saying they're shocked by how good our numbers are. It's more because yeah. you know our numbers are good for what they are, but they're right. not. Yes. You know, we're not some massive podcast or something right. on a, a wider scale. Sure. They're just shocked at like what the scale of it is, right. and that's kind of what you were talking about. And it's a it's a struggle whether it's with advertisers, whether it's with uh, the twins themselves, whether it's with you know radio stations and television stations and right. uh, magazine outlets and stuff. It's we like to put the numbers out there because first of all, we think our numbers are good. But even if they're not good, to just say let's make no mistake, here's the numbers. Right. Like, yeah. uh, and it's always. I don't know. It's nice when people are surprised by them because it's usually in a positive way, like, wow. But I would rather people weren't surprised by them. Right. I, I would rather more people were upfront mm -hmm. um, about it. And I know that can come across as like, you know, bragging a little bit. And sometimes it John is. has to, to talk me into it, like showing the Patreon subscriber count. You can do math <laughs> that's a, on that's that. That's a really good example of what we of yeah. Like that right. was that nobody shows that, but we show that because we want to, everybody to understand there's a market for right. this, right? So anyway, with that out of the way, let's just go over the numbers very quickly because I really we we continue to be blown away in year. What is this year? 13 of us doing this podcast? I guess. We started in, uh, all, we're approaching oh, the 13th anniversary in August. Okay. So, so yeah, 13 years. Yeah. Um, that's a long time, John. That's my longest so relationship. We're, we're at 12 years and four months, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the... It was, a, it was that's going to make Judy very sad. <laughs> that's my, I don't consider my mother a relationship. Uh, I don't know what kind of thing you had going on there, John, but okay. Um, yeah. Hi, Judy. Uh, it was a great year for us. Yeah. For the twins. Right. I think for this fan base, more importantly, of which we consider ourselves part of. Right. We talked about this during the, the little playoff run they were on, but, you know, a lot of the things that I think kind of loomed over this fan base, the, the dark cloud aspect of this stuff, the, the, the cap, the ceiling that was on the enjoyment of this franchise right. that 
was not an active thing that people placed on it, but just sort of a feeling that loomed of, yeah, they're leading the division, but they haven't won a playoff game in 20 years <laughs> yeah, right, right. or playoff yeah, series yeah, in yeah. 20 years. So who cares? Well, that's gone now. And it, it, it didn't, it wasn't removed because they won the World Series. That would have been great. But it was removed, and we've talked about this for years now, which is all we've wanted as Twins fans or people who cover the Twins, whatever you want to call us, is the chance to you know, critique and analyze and praise and criticize a team as a normal baseball team. That's all we've wanted. So that when they make a signing in late January – we can say, eh, they probably overpaid for this guy or, ooh, that was a really nice trade or, wow, I can't believe they did that without the reaction of half the fan base being – How are they going to win in October? Yeah, who cares? Like, right, they haven't right, won anything right. in 20 years. And so I think now that that's gone, in a way it pl- it, pra- it places a little – like a different sort of pressure on them sure, now. I hope so. Um, you would think so. But that's a, They don't seem to be reacting. Now. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good thing you would think. Right. But uh, so, Speaking of uh, ending the streak, what did you think of the winter belt on design? It was a good, it's a good design. John <laughs> sent me, yeah, the winter meltdown. We're, I'm not going to describe it because we're going to unveil what it. Was but, that, in about uh, three weeks now, three, three, and a half three weeks? yeah. So listen, starting Monday, I think we'll start doing a lot of details about the winter meltdown. Uh, if you are not, uh, if you have uh, been to it in the past, which I think thousands of you have, <laughs> right? Well, we, yeah, we, for we, sure. right? Yeah, right. Uh, it will be January 27th. You'll be able to watch Twins Daily for the uh, updates on that. And um, if you haven't been it, you're going to want to try it. So. Um, but so anyway, Brock outdid himself on the uh, design this year again. So go. Sorry, <laughs> this show, which we we call the free show, you could also call it the original show. Uh, it's you know available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Right. You don't pay for it. It's advertiser supported. All that stuff. Right. It's what you're listening to right now. That was up in terms of downloads. Per new episode that we put out, because we put out a few a few fewer episodes this year right. than in the past, uh, up up 11% compared to the previous year, and up 36% compared to two years oh, prior. Right. Okay, good. And that's good, but it's also good because- What, what was the number, 14? Uh, yeah, 14,000, almost 15,000 okay. wow. per new episode. And we've talked about this in the past. Like, we've had years that grew more than 11%, you know, previous. Right. I mean, yeah. the year before obviously grew like 20 something. But at some point, there's a diminishing return. Right. Because, well, we have many non Twins fans who listen to this. Relatively speaking, it's mostly Twins fans who <laughs> right. listen to yes. this and mostly Minnesotans who listen to this. Although not, it's closer to 50 50. Yeah, right, right. But, you know, there aren't an endless, there isn't an endless pool uh, of people right. who are, have any possibility of subscribing to a Minnesota <laughs> Twins podcast. So at some point when you start to get to 15,000 people per episode, which is incredible, right. like really I'm, we're blown away by that. You know, 11% year over year growth is, is pretty damn good, even though yes. we've had years bigger than that, but it's harder to grow 25% when you're already at 15,000. Right. Uh, so we're very proud of that. The, what we call the Patreon show. I assure you it's more than the number of season tickets that the Twins have. Yeah, that's fascinating. To what we've had this conversation with twins. <laughs> yes, it is. Their uh, season ticket base, I'm not certain what it is like as of today, but as of a few months ago. It certainly did not, I don't think, get the. Well, I'll be interested to see on. So they usually have a media luncheon 
right. on January 26th, on the Friday before, yeah. fr- just of Twins Fest, where one of the things they talk about is, you know, how things are going. And one of the things that they have said in the past is, here's our season ticket base. Uh, it's usually a question that's asked of Dave St. Pete. Yes. It'll be interesting to see what uh, where that level is. Because I, will- I, would, I expected a big bump this year, and I think this offseason – and the television contract and yes. all that has probably dampened that yes. significantly. Absolutely. And that's part of what we talked about two right. months ago yeah, when it was clear they were going to lower the payroll right. and it was clear they were going to have a relatively yeah. slow, perhaps we didn't know this slow offseason. We said, you know, first of all, we just think it's illogical from a monetary standpoint right. when you're owned by billionaires. But even setting that aside, it, you're halting all momentum. You're you're cutting yourself off at the knees. Right. You're 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 limiting the impact of what should have been like we just said no, a they, special. No, they season. may have an eleven percent growth. I don't know. Maybe they did. Yeah, well, we know. True. Yeah. <laughs> true. Um. So yeah. The but so the Patreon show, which you could call the paid show, which is one dollar per episode right. for subscribers. It's kind of a private members only club. Right. Uh, we curse on there occasionally. Yes. Sometimes we'll say stuff that we might not. Say on the free show just when Josh Stom outside, we had a, a semi-emergency podcast, yeah. and then did a, like an hour of mailbag. We questions. Do a lot of mailbag. Yeah. We'll yeah. probably be doing one of those like next Wednesday or something. Uh, that one was up thirty-three percent year over year in wow. terms of paid subscribers. Wow, and sixty-four percent compared to twenty twenty-one. Wow. Now, if we continue to have a thirty-three percent annual growth <laughs> on that podcast, yeah, right. We will be living in a mansion on Mars with Elon Musk. No. Uh, so we're at about, f- we ended the year with about 4,000 paying subscribers on the Patreon. Yeah. Our original goal for that was 200. <laughs> exactly. Not 200,000, 200 people, 200 zero zero people. Yeah. Um, 100 and then another 100. Yeah. That's 200. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say our sort of, Initial goal was to get like two thousand people, uh, right? Yeah, and right. we've grown essentially a thousand people since last year. At this goal time. is even saying that our initial dream would yeah. have been like yeah, really? right, yeah, right. So I say all this for all the reasons we just right. described, but the the real reason is to say thanks. And I know we thanked you guys on the last episode. We'll get to some twins talk here in a minute, but. Um, you know, first of the year, people get into moods, especially when you get older That's on true. January 3rd. January 3rd, I was discussing this. Dan Hayes' sister's birthday is also January 3rd. Really? Happy birthday to, ooh, I forgot her first name, but whatever. <laughs> Miss Hayes, I don't think that's. I don't think she's a Hayes anymore. Uh, and I, we were debating she's trying to separate separate herself from Dan yeah, as much as possible. So would I, like the rest of us. So would I. <laughs> yeah, me especially. I want to. How about an empty chair between us? Would that work? No. Um, we were debating what the worst days of the year to have your birthday, and I argued that December twenty sixth is horrible. Uh, okay, even worse than December twenty fifth. Well, I yeah, I mean, like literal. December 31st, Jan 1, mm-hmm. that's pretty bad. And Christmas Day is pretty bad. But the day after each of those, sure. like yeah. Jan 2. Yeah, but be. I put January 3rd, which is my birthday, top 10 worst or bottom 10 worst probably. days to have a birthday. That's probably. Especially because it comes on Fourth the heels. Of July. Yeah, but see, but from a pre- I'm thinking yeah, when I was a presents, kid. Yeah. Now, I, I don't care it's about fair. my birthday at this it's point. Fair, right? Like yes. I tell everyone, don't give me anything. I haven't had a birthday party in <laughs> right. 10 years. You guys won't surprise you guys. I didn't. I know. offered to take you out for lunch. You did, yeah. Using, Becky made three. The Cleveland Geek credit card. Yeah. <laughs> pay, you can pay 50% of your own birthday lunch, you schmuck. 
I turned that down. <laughs> Becky made three different dinner reservations, and I was like, what if we just get some takeout? And I watched the Wolves game. Where was the takeout? Um, we got uh, World Street Kitchen. Oh, I love World Special Street. event, because we only get that like twice a week anyway. <laughs> or I only get that like twice. But anyway, it's bad because nobody cares about it because it's coming right after New Year's. But also, when I was a child and I cared about birthdays and presents, uh-huh. you've whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah. There's a huge hangover by that. Right. Yeah, right. And yeah, so yeah. my family would be like, here's your Christmas slash Hanukkah present. They're not prepared to get you another meaningful present seven days later or whatever it is. It's like, well, who's doing that? You you don't get a PlayStation on the twenty fifth and a whatever a Xbox on January third. You're not. That's not happening to you. So anyway, it's bad. Um, But anyway, my point on the numbers is to thank you guys. We are uh, constantly having to adjust our goals or expectations or, like you said, dreams on this stuff because we have blown so far past. Uh, what our feeble minds could have imagined as a ceiling to this thing. And I- I'm constantly saying, as I just did, well, there's got to be a cap on this. There are only so many Twins fans. There are only so many people willing to pay to hear us talk, um, mostly because our two uh, spouses or significant others say <laughs> that. Some version <laughs> yeah, of that. Be like, I can't hell? believe there's <laughs> um, But I love to be proven and wrong. Not in that. a, boy, am I lucky. Kind no. Of way. <laughs> no. No, we uh, we were watching TV yesterday, and she literally said, "Just watch. Don't you don't have to comment on everything." She literally. Oh no! By the way, this was the day after my birthday. Oh no! So the bloom was off the road. She was like, "Don't. Not everything needs a joke attached to it." While we were watching, I don't even remember what we were watching. Something stupid. Where I'm just like, every every mention, everything it has to be a joke. That's not a good sign. You know me. Speaking of blowing past expectations, how about them twins? Yeah, that's my segue. Oh well, they haven't. (laughs) To to just stop on. Oh well, the only other. Let me before we get to that. Oh yeah, I'm done with the numbers. So if you didn't care about that, I'm sorry. Um, little update on Joe Mauer. Oh, yeah. Which we've kind of been tracking. That is sort of blowing past expectations. Yes. That's what I thought you were kind of going for. Okay, yeah. I'll give you credit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I looked today. Ryan Thibodeau is a guy who tracks this uh, on yeah, Twitter yeah. and uh, Hall of Fame tracker, which basically he all he does. I saw Lavelle was like fighting with him on Twitter. Lavelle's stance, because you could count on Lavelle to take the weirdest stance on anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. pitchers should not receive MVP votes, right, even right, though right, pitchers yeah. free. Yeah. All this guy's doing is providing a service of he's reading curating, everyone's individual curating. columns that they write, media members, which I'll almost guarantee Lavelle's written in the past. Here's my Hall of Fame vote right. for this year. Right. And he's just grouping them together and saying, here's the numbers on it because people want to track it. And Lavelle's like, I don't think we should be tracking this. I think it does a disservice to the people voting. And I just want to scream – so keep it a secret and he can't track it. <laughs> right. Nobody is saying to media members. Right, yeah, that's fair. Right, yeah. Like Dan Hayes has a ballot and Dan Hayes just posted a picture of his ballot on Twitter. Yeah. And some of the athletic writers who vote for the Hall of Fame write a little column about it. Sure. Ken, Ken Rosenthal wrote us today. Right, yes. And he was like, here's why I voted Chase Utley into right. the Hall of Fame, yes. but not right. A-Rod or whoever it right. was. And people read it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to tweet it. You can keep it completely a secret and then they'll just reveal the ballot and you don't have to fight with people, Lavelle. Um, <laughs> but I think they do a service because here's my thing about journalism and media. 
as we just described with the numbers to the podcast, which not many podcasters will just tell you, right. here's how yes. many people listen right. to it. Right. Uh, I'm for transparency. I'm for if you're voting for something that people yeah. perceive as important, as silly as that sounds, people think the Hall of Fame is very important within this context. If you've been given a ballot and you're placing your vote and it's not discouraged to tell people what your vote is, you should damn sure if you consider yourself a member of the media and you want to be trustworthy and you want to be transparent. And by the way, you want sources and players to be trustworthy and transparent when right. you ask them yep. questions, you should damn sure post it. Right. And then why wouldn't we track it? And so anyway, that's a long way of saying uh, on Twitter, they track it. I think his name is not Mr. Thibbs or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they've estimated that about 32% of all ballots, known ballots, there's like, I don't know, 600 people who vote for it right. or something like that. So there's roughly 200 ballots are in. Right. Um, are known kind of precincts reporting, and Joe Maher, as of this morning, has eighty three percent or eighty two percent, eighty two or eighty three percent of the vote. Now you need seventy five percent even. Uh, I don't know if they round up. That's an interesting question. I'm gonna guess you have to actually have seventy five percent of the vote to get into Cooperstown. And you might be saying, "Wow, if he's at eighty two or eighty three percent with almost a third of all ballots counted, won't he cruise in seventy five percent?" Well, Here's the problem. The people who are, reveal their ballot, right. the non-Lavelles, right. I don't want to pick it on Lavelle. <laughs> I don't know. That. It's fun to do. We, here's the thing. I do it in person, too. It's not like it's behind <laughs> his back. I love Lavelle, but he's very easy to pick on. Um, people say that about me, too. Probably not without the I love him part. Just, uh, but the problem is, if you consider this a problem, the people who are generally most likely to write a column about their ballot or post the picture on Twitter or just tell people what, who they voted for tend to be younger. Right. They skew more towards the mentality that I have of, right. for transparency. And those people tend to vote for more players in general. They tend to use all 10 or right. at least eight, nine or 10 spots on their ballot. They don't just vote for one guy and leave the rest blank or whatever. And someone like Maurer is going to be viewed more favorably by a analytics group, sure, uh, yeah. leaning group. So what I mean by all this is then the, let's say, 68, 70% of ballots that are unknown could be skewed. Are most way, likely right. going to skew A, less favorably towards Maurer specifically, but bigger picture, they're going to have fewer votes on them per ballot. And this has been borne out year to year, yes. which is you need in general, um, in terms of the tracking, if you're only at 75% exactly, when they're done tracking, because the actual reveal is in like two weeks or something right, like that, yeah. you're never going to get into Hall of Fame because the unrevealed bracket, uh, ballots are always going to be a lower percentage because right. they vote for fewer people. Right. All of which is to say that 83% puts him in good position here, but it not so that he, you can feel... It's not safe. Right. It's not safe. Well, do you know where he ranks in terms of like all the rest of the... Candidates on there, like is well, he's he number two right now. He's tied okay, with Todd Helton. Saying. Okay, that's what Adrian Beltre is at like ninety-seven percent or something right, like that. Yeah. I, saw, um, I saw at least one ballot that would just had Adrian Beltre. Yeah. Oh, I saw one that left them off completely. <laughs> and it's like, who? I hate that. Um, but yeah, Todd Helton and Maurer are actually not dissimilar players. I'm not arguing like from a value standpoint, but they're high-average left-handed hitters played for only one team. 
Yeah. And right. whose careers were cut a little short, Mahler's more so than Todd Helton's, but Helton sure. had some back problems yeah, at the sure. end. He didn't get the 3,000 hits. He didn't right, get to, yeah, you know, right. all this stuff. Um, so, I, you know, setting aside, the, I think there's some debate to be had about Coors Field and all that stuff. But sure. I think, you know, much like Larry Walker, he's just a, a great player. So those two, and then it, the next was like Billy Wagner and Sheffield, okay. like at 78% or something right. like that. Yeah. So this is Sheffield's last year on the ballot, so he's getting oh, a wow. push. Okay. For people who are saying like, right. okay. but he better get above 78% or else he ain't going to make it. But anyway. Right. Um, Interesting. So yeah, that would be a fun class, I guess. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, I mean, it, and Todd be Helton. a fun thing to celebrate at Twins Fest. Him getting in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. So that's where Maurer is at. I would say there's a good chance he gets elected on the first ballot now, right. where I would have said it was a long shot. Right. And he is virtually assured regardless of whether he finishes at 74% or whatever this year, of getting in next year. Because once you clear the 70% or even like the 60% threshold, right. you will then get people who are just sort of dogpiling on and sure. being like, all right, put him in. Okay, put, yeah, get him yeah, off the ballot. So that's good because I think he's, he's very deserved. Although there was a clip, our, uh, our ombudsman, uh, Greg Masterson, Okay. Twins Daily writer, <laughs> who I have specifically instructed to stop making videos and posting them on Twitter, and I, I feel that's really only fueled that fire, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, um, he found a clip from, tw- I don't know, it was like 2015, like almost 10 years ago or whatever, okay. of us doing a podcast where, it, actually, it might have been right when Maurer had the concussion, maybe? Okay. Something like that, where I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame now or something like that. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, sure. Right, right. He's, and he's like, I need you to apologize for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is my half-hearted apology for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, at this time last year, I'm pleasantly I, surprised. I wasn't sure that he right. would be getting the Hall of Fame. I, see, I thought he would. I had people ask me straight up, and I was like, I don't think he would. Right. Even at the beginning of this, when he was placed on the ballot, we I got asked by a lot of people. And my feeling was, don't count on it for a few years, but he will eventually get in. I yeah. thought it would be more of a 40% the first year, 50%, kind of a little bit of growth. You yeah. get in year four, year five. And in fact, I said at the beginning, my genuine hope is that he gets in before I'm able to give him a vote, which will yeah, be in right, six yeah. years. I think our perception was colored by the local coverage of Maurer after covering yes. him for 20 years. Absolutely. I mean, from, from the day he was drafted, you know, there was a, uh, this guy? Right. Well, first of, thing, of all, right, the expectations right. placed on him were absurd. Right. Yes. To the point that, and the reason I can prove this is, he was the first catcher to win multiple batting titles. He won three. He won an MVP. He made I don't know six All Star games. He won five Silver Sluggers, five Gold Gloves. And people, I think, if you pulled people, people like it was a good career, but it wasn't quite. <laughs> well, if your expectations were higher than that, you're in, you're an insane person. Right, yeah. But then you toss in the injuries and the contract and all that stuff and. Part of the optimism that we had that he would eventually get in, I didn't think it would be this year, certainly, was the idea of if you're not a Minnesotan and you haven't been living and dying by every Maurer-related thing for 20 years, if you're just some guy in Cincinnati or New York or Colorado and you're given a ballot and someone says either put a check or not next to his name for the Hall of Fame, all you think about Joe Maurer is, I could effing hit huh yeah right. three batting titles all right. the accolades i yep. just said oh of course he's a hall of famer you don't think well he was overpaid his last three years and you know uh bilateral this and you know he was a hometown kid and mark Pryor and all this stuff it's just you go 
well, he was a catcher, right? And he won three batting titles. Okay, there's an easy check mark. So I'm encouraged. I'm in. I'm uh, pleasantly surprised, I should say, by that. Yeah, if you want to find an archive somewhere, some of there's a game day program and scorecard story by me about where will where is Mauer currently amongst the best catchers of all time, and how high is he likely to go? Like that oh, was a that game wrote, day like, program and story that I wrote back in. 2008, 2009. Right. I think at the time I had him as seventh best catcher all time, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's uh, and he was climbing the charts at that time, so to speak. So. Jay Jaffe, uh, who's maybe the only one of the only people that's been blogging longer than the two of us. He used to have a blog called The Futility Infielder. I remember. Yeah. He, by the way, speaking of birthdays, don't ask me why I know this. Born on Christmas Day, <laughs> so one of the few worst. I remember because Ricky Henderson also he used to do a, a team. I think it's been 20 years since I've – I'm sure I talked to Jay Jaffe back in the days when there were oh, about eight of us blogging, I just, right? I just saw him in Nashville, uh, and I said, hey, J- uh, I work with his wife. Uh, her name is Emma Spahn, Spahn uh, um, who's an editor for The Athletic. And I said, hey, Jay. And he looked at me, and he I could tell. He was like, I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> but then I said hi, and he was like, oh, my God. Anyway. I want he, you guys all to wear name tags when I come to the Yeah, well, meetings. here's the thing. I look a little different than 20 years ago, about twice the weight. Uh, half the hair, <laughs> you know. Um, but he has a great system called Jaws oh, yeah. that puts into context total career value, but more importantly, in my mind, peak sort of value. peak value. Yeah. And I don't just mean their best year, but like their best seven-year run sort of. Right. Is yeah, how he he a lot of yeah. time. And if you view Maurer through that context, which is particularly important through catchers, because in people's mind, you know, when Maurer moved off catcher, obviously it was premature, but the odds are, even if he'd not suffered the concussion, and honestly, even if he'd had 20% better overall health to that point, which would have been huge in his career, you know, he was over 30. He might have had two, three more great years at catcher and then kind of transitioned to half catcher. Right. Half. The Johnny Bench, Ivan Rodriguez types are the extreme outlier. I mean, right. you look at yeah. Buster right. Posey, who for very different reasons right. had a similarly short right. uh length of career just because he called it quits basically but for the most part if you get eight or ten years as a great catcher that's amazing it's like 15 years at another position and i think he has mauer eighth all time okay uh among catchers and that's with the short peak or the you know uh premature end to greatness and all that stuff and so in my mind setting aside mauer catcher is extremely underrepresented in the hall of fame I think partly because they don't accumulate the counting stats, right. 500 homers, 3,000 hits, because of the reason we just described. Right. First of all, in a season, they don't play 155, 160 games because no catcher can handle that workload. Right. But then even beyond that, on a career side, you might play 10 seasons instead right. of 14 seasons. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, I had one other thing. Um, so free agents signed, I looked at. The Athletic ranked their top 40 at the beginning of the offseason. Right, yeah. Five of the top 10 have signed. Okay. 10 of the top 20 have signed. So exactly 50%. I'm surprised it's that few, uh, actually. 18 out of our 40 have signed. Now, it's a little misleading because I looked at who our next 10 would have been because it was a five-person. It was right, me, yeah. Eno Saris, Keith Law, Jim Bowden, uh, and Tim right. Britton voted. Uh, it's like number 41 signed, but I'm not. Right. It's a... Roughly half of the top 50 free agents have signed. Right. So in that sense, you can sort of look at that as a gauge of... We're halfway through. We're halfway <laughs> right, through. Yeah. Regardless of what the calendar says, right. we're halfway through the offseason. And, you know, from a twin standpoint... And there's been a number of 
of the big trades that people yes. anticipated also have happened right. as well. So. Although not not all of them, like no, from no, a pitching no. standpoint. Yeah, right. yeah, from a pitching standpoint, there's still a couple names out there. Sure. Um, okay, and then the last thing I had, uh, Monday, everyone should go to The Athletic. And Twins Daily you can go to, too, but go to The Athletic. I'll be putting out my uh, 18th annual Minnesota Twins Top 40 Prospects list. Oh, cool. So tell Seth or whoever Fine. not to put out the Twins Daily list on Monday. Wait till at least Tuesday to put that out. Seth, you hearing this? Yeah, probably. <laughs> He's going to put it out Sunday night. I hope so. I Sunday hope so. night at 8 p.m. He'll put it out. <laughs> you're going to get jump, that out by tomorrow. Yeah, line. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, it's a very big article in terms of length. Uh, <laughs> so I would appreciate it if everyone read it. And then maybe on... Uh, Maybe on the Patreon side, we can talk about my top 10 or something. That, like that. is a good Patreon episode. I love that. Yeah. Good. Uh, we'll okay. Tuesday. Let's uh, do a couple of ads, and yeah. then we'll get into Josh Stamont and, and some twin stuff. Yeah. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, long-time, well, becoming a long-time sponsor of uh, of the Gleeman and the Geek uh, piece. We like BetterHelp because we believe in lowering the barriers to therapy. Uh, the, the I think by far the biggest barrier to therapy is uh, deciding you want to actually proceed with therapy. It's, right? it's, the, it's <laughs> the first step of the thousand mile walk. Yeah, that and is then, the most and then comes the gut punch because you finally gotten over that peak and you go, what now? What yeah, now? Like, I gotta wait the, a month. Or the, I gotta the, call the, this. Like, do I? What, what, do I go on the white white pages? Yes, <laughs> white <laughs> pages. Yellow pages. That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yes, right. with BetterHelp. Here's how BetterHelp works. You can get set up with a real licensed therapist who can specifically address whatever your personal issue is. And this is the part that I think is good, especially usually within two weeks, which is a lot shorter. Right. Uh, and often much quicker than that. Uh, and here's the beauty of it. If you want to do a you know video chat, you can do it. If you don't want to be on camera, you can call them. If you don't even want to call them, you don't like talking on the phone like me. I hate talking on the phone. Yeah. You can just do it live chat, type in chat. They'll set it up to whatever your comfort level is. Uh, and if I mean, to, it's also a little bit more affordable. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's there's a, a special deal for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. Uh, visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today and you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com. Slash clean. Yeah, I'm a big believer in therapy, and they make it very easy. Also making it very easy is HelloFresh. They, what they do make it very easy for is for you to actually cook food because it all – listen, uh, I, tell, I will tell you how excited – the person who gets most excited in my house when I get to – when I say, I get, I'm getting some HelloFresh coming is Chrissy because Chrissy is the person who on a biweekly basis sits and plans out all the meals – and goes to the store and buys everything and brings it back. And what I will do, what, what we do, is that she will, I will come home from work or say, okay, it's time to cook dinner. And she'll have like sort of the recipe out and the ingredients. And I get to go to go to town. Yeah. Well, HelloFresh takes care of all of that, yes. right? And on top of that, <laughs> uh, it also shows you how to actually cook it because there's a great eight by eleven uh, recipe, step by step with piece pictures, with pictures, which with is valuable pictures, to me, right? On how to cook this stuff, and on the back end, on the other side, you've got a big picture of here's how it's going to look at the end. You can take pictures of your stuff. It's very Instagrammable. It's absolutely something that you can. Yes, uh, they send you at the end. all the ingredients, all portioned out, all fresh, right? Uh, whether it's meat, whether it's veggies, it comes. If it needs to be cold, it's shipped cold yes. to you. Super easy, so you don't have to go shopping for it. You don't have to it's slice e it all up. Easy thing to do together if you're if you're like uh, Will 
will cook and uh, Chrissy will sit. Uh, Chrissy and I will cook together, or I will cook and Chrissy will sit and okay, drink a glass of wine and watch me cook. Oh, how sexy that must <laughs> that, be! That is a that is a, that is a nice date. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if it was a different guy, I should watch. If, if you were uh, Bobby F- Bobby Flay sure. or something, like, I don't know. I couldn't think of a. Uh, if you were Gordon Ramsay, no, you do have a Gordon Ramsay vibe. I anyway. do. I do. <laughs> I like to scream at people. Yeah, sure. you do. Yeah, you can go to hellofresh.com slash gleeman free and use the promo code gleeman free. And the reason it's gleeman free is you will get free breakfast for life, one oh. breakfast item per box. While subs- while your subscription is active, that's free breakfast for Those life. Those are good at HelloFresh dot com slash Gleeman Free, and then use the code Gleeman Free. Uh, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Yeah, breakfast sandwiches, muffins, and stuff. We got some of those. Those are really yum. Okay, uh, so Josh Stama. Yeah, let's start with that. Signed to a major league contract, and the reason that's notable is he goes on the forty man roster. Right. And most of their – it differentiates him in that sense from a lot of minor league signings, which are non-guaranteed. They're called non-roster uh, contracts. You'll hear NRI, which is non-roster invite. Those are the guys that come to spring training. They're in big league camp right? trying to win a job on the 40-man roster, essentially. He's already on the 40-man roster. Uh, so that separates him from a lot of guys the Twins have and will sign every year, especially bullpen guys. Yes. Uh a Twins official in uh, Nashville at the winter meetings when I was asking them pre-Josh Stamont signing about the state of the bullpen, uh, one of them joked, well, you know us. We like to just <laughs> right. get a big old pile of NRIs and hope two of them come out at the end <laughs> and are right, useful. Yeah. That's and right. that's kind of what they did. Right. Yeah. That's how Brock Stewart ended up Brock Stewart, yeah, that's basically. Right. Yes. Um, Stamont is like, you know, a, a step ahead. A step above that. From a monetary standpoint, his deal is worth – I didn't get an exact figure, but like nine hundred and fifty thousand, and there's a little some incentives, some smallish incentives, and again, that also differentiates them because a a minor league deal, a non roster invite type of deal, often will can sometimes guarantee more than that. For instance, sure. Willie Castro right. signed a non roster minor league deal with the Twins that guaranteed him nothing, but he actually once he made the major league roster, he made a prorated share of one point something million or right. whatever. This is on the low side for that, but it's guaranteed. Right. So if he shows up to spring training, Josh Stamont, and he's hurt, which he's dealt with injuries, we're going to talk about right. that in a minute, or he's just no good, or they just decide, you know what, we don't want him anymore for whatever reason, they owe him 950000 That differentiates him. But from a like logistical you know, payroll standpoint, $950,000 is only $200,000 more than the major league minimum salary at this stage. And so... If he's going to be on the roster, even if he were signed to a minimum deal, right. you're not. It's no impact on a team that has a hundred, I don't know, twenty five, thirty million dollar payroll. Two hundred thousand dollars is meaningless in that context, obviously. And so the actual investment in him is is very minimal. Well, and on top of that, because it's even though you know he it's a one year deal that he signed, he still has he doesn't have six years of major league baseball tenure. So he's what under team control for this year right. and next year, right? Twenty twenty five as well. He's arbitration eligible. And actually the, the Royals cut him uh, you know, six weeks ago or whatever before the right. arbitration deadline when he had a projected like one and a half million dollar or one point two million dollar projection via arbitration, which is on the low side. And that tells you the Royals because they could have just kept him at right. that yep. total, which is right. cheap. Right. Um and had him 
under control for 2025 as well yep. via arbitration yes. when even in a good year he might have made four or five million dollars five million dollars let's say so the fact that they cut him over you know one million and change after he's been a pretty good player for them in three out of the past five years tells you that his recovery from thoracic outlet surgery which we'll talk about in a second and other various injuries over the last couple of years that they're not very optimistic the royals aren't at all that he's gonna come back this season and you know be his old self the Twins are essentially just making that identical bet, right. slightly lower price point, sure. but basically the same bet that the, the Royals declined to make, which is always interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to point out point to the Royals as some bastion of you know, health and pitching and all that stuff. So they've they, got good bullpens. I mean, they've often had good bullpens. They've often had a couple good relievers. They've right. generally had crappy people. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, but yeah, you're right about years. that. Right. Um, and he was part of that, him and, and Barlow especially. Yeah. And then going back, obviously, to the runs they made to the World Series, that was they had great bullpens. But they usually find two or three good relievers. He was one of them. And from 2019 to 2021, uh, Stalmont was a legit you know, eighth-inning High end, high strikeout setup man had a sub three ERA, had yeah. like eleven strikeouts per nine innings, something like that. You know, ninety five to ninety eight mile an hour fastball topped out at a hundred occasionally with a big breaking, beautiful, you know, kind of traditional old school curveball Curve ball, yeah. that would just freeze guys because they're gearing up for ninety eight, and then he just drops something at eighty two, uh, you know, twelve to six on the on the clock yeah. Yeah. Uh, to him. That was the combo that, I mean, worked wonders. He had a 0-90 ERA against the Twins. I mean, that's not necessarily relevant because now he's not going to face Twins hitters. <laughs> but they know plenty of Scott Barlow or of uh, Josh Stalmont. <laughs> I keep doing that. I view them as the same in yeah, my head. Yeah, and by yeah. the way, Barlow now is on the uh, uh, Guardians. I saw that, yeah. So they know him well. He's had a lot of injury issues. He had some nagging issues. And then in the middle of last year, after struggling for about a year, he got shut down and had surgery to address thoracic outlet syndrome. Right. And, you know, we're not uh, doctors or anything, but so take this for a grain of salt. But generally, you know, you, you guys have probably heard about Tommy John surgery for elbows, and you've probably heard about labrum repairs for shoulders. Those are the two, you know, most significant but right. still common injuries right. for major league pitchers. And they each carry about a year recovery. And I guess you'd rather have Tommy John than much Labrum. Tommy John. But you'd much rather even have Labrum than thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, uh, maybe. There, it's relatively new in that it's only been about 10 or so years since I can recall that popping up uh, for pitchers. And, you know, Phil Hughes had it and Matt Harvey had it and Steven Strasburg had it. Right. And there's some other prominent names. There's maybe a dozen or two dozen prominent names. For the most part, the recovery rate from that is a coin flip. And a lot of guys are just never the same. Right. Uh, we saw that with Phil Hughes. We've had, they just they, they go in it's, throwing it, 95 a, and they come out throwing 88. It feels a little bit like here's the surgery we're going to do if we don't know what else is right. happening. We can't figure out exactly it's what's going of, on. Right? I don't want to say last resort because that implies like it's a panic situation. But a lot of times it's like the guy's having pain and his velocity is down, down and his right. effectiveness is down. Right. But we gave him an MRI, and there's no tear in his shoulder, and there's no tear in his elbow, but there's seemingly some nerve issues yeah. or something like that. And so, Seems to have lost it, quote unquote. Yes. Yeah, right. right. And, and so, a lot of that is velocity. Mostly, I've seen it in the past, and it sounds like this is something that's definitely evolving, right? right. So that maybe it's changed now. Well, now there's now, three right. versions right. of thoracic outlet. Right. And so I've had people say that 
our what we're kind of describing was the initial, initial version. One. Yes, I agree. And so there's less. So kind I don't of know as much about this new one version. that he's been doing. Right? But that's basically what happened to him, which is he struggled for like a year and a half, and his velocity was down. Although even last year, when he was not good, right. he was throwing. Yeah. Average fastball, 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah, his velocity isn't down a lot. There's plenty of yeah. juice. Now, we'll see what he comes back from this from. Right. Uh, but it's a it's a risk, but it's not a risk from a monetary standpoint. And obviously, the 40-man roster spot has value, but I don't. the Twins are not in a situation where they're really adding to the 40-man roster at this point right. uh, you know, from a free agent standpoint. Right. Uh, so it's a, you know, there's definite upside. I mean, it's very easy to see the sure. upside. This is a guy who, even at his worst, threw 96 miles an hour with a decent curveball, uh, has never had great control, and that's another worry. You know, after you have a surgery, right. how do you come back from that? But I think it's very straightforward to just envision him, whether it's on opening day or midseason, who knows, because um, he does have a minor league option remaining. He yes. can be just placed on right. the injured list, yes. obviously. He does not need to be on the team next but year. But if he's right. healthy, quote-unquote, but is struggling for sure. whatever reason, they can just send him to AAA as if he's a normal right. minor league player. Or for, if it takes him a little bit longer to recover or whatever, spring training doesn't go exactly the way you right. want it to be, you've got enough flexibility. But there. it's pretty straightforward to envision him, you know, being healthy and he's still only 30, uh, you know, being the guy he was in 2021, two years ago, something right. like that, which is, you know, seventh or eighth inning guy, a little bit wild. But throws hard, good breaking ball, and I, I won't be surprised if the Twins try to tweak his uh, big curveball into more of a tighter slider mm-hmm. or sweeper uh, in that regard. And they've seen him a ton, and he's you know AL Central guy and all that. And so I don't think it's a huge leap of faith to just say, well, if he's mostly recovered from the thing that doctors have deemed the issue the last right. year or two, then you know maybe he won't be as good as he was when he was 26. But he could be as good as he was when he was 28, maybe, right, something yeah. like that. And so if that's the case, he maybe joins, you know, Griffin Jacks and Brock Stewart, who, by the way, was a similar injury comeback bet yeah, right. uh, by the Twins and has worked out pretty right, damn yeah. well. And Caleb Theobar as the the core setup group in front of Duran as the closer. Yeah. And I think the Twins probably, they liked what they saw from the bullpen in September and October last year when the pieces started coming together paddock came back stewart came back right. louis varlin shifted the boat right. they just had a lot of high octane right. upper 90s miles per hour guys but a lot of that is not going to be available uh, right. this year what was available there is you know you're gonna have varlin moving back i think back to the rotation i think you're gonna have we'll paddock moving back to the rotation yes. yeah we, paddock we, will we, definitely be in the right. rotation so. uh so Stewart will be there. Uh, yeah. You're just but, you're banking on him staying yes, healthy. I think that. with, with Stalmont and then with uh, Ryan Jensen, who we can talk about in a minute, that they just claimed right. off waivers. He's a much lower. I actually won't be surprised if he gets put back on waivers. They right. try to pass guys through waivers. Uh, those guys are big fastballs. I mean, they are upper 90s when healthy. Uh, they both have control issues, and they're bo- they're not perfect pitchers. And you know, Stallman's got the injury issues. Ryan Jensen has never been effective in the majors, so he's right. a, a bigger question mark, obviously. But the... You know, AJ Alexi is a similar player. They just signed to a minor or re-signed to a minor league deal. Yes, right. Uh, three weeks ago or whatever. Right. Similar. They're looking for guys now. They're always looking for upside, L- low risk, high upside, or you know, decent upside right. bullpen, as we just talked right. about. They like to get a whole bunch of guys, some of whom have never been in the majors but have good stuff. Right. Some of whom used to be good in the majors and have fallen on hard times. They like to throw them all in a big pile, right. a cheap pile that they haven't invested much in, right. and they hope two or three of them come out and. They've had an okay track record. Sure. Not great. Um, 
That's clearly the goal. But I would say even within that pile now, they're looking for guys. So sometimes those guys end up succeeding right after they drop them, though. Well, that's true, <laughs> too, the yeah. Orioles that's, uh, that's seem true. to be really good yes. at waiting us out. That's true. That's the danger of relievers. <laughs> and it's Cologne, so... and then what was the other guy? The guy they traded away for? Well, yeah, Jorge. Cano. They yeah, Cano, right. Traded. But um, that's the danger of relievers. These are guys who the sample sizes are small. The injuries are common. You know, Right. But I would say even within that pile now, they're clearly kind of pushing towards the last year or so. We want guys who throw smoke. We want guys who can sure. overpower hitters with with high velocity fastballs. And this regime in general, from the moment they took over, pushed more towards that than the previous regime. Sure. But anybody would have pushed more towards that than the previous <laughs> regime. The previous right, regime was right. allergic to velocity, basically. Right, yeah. But I think they, they're more, especially in the bullpen, they liked the idea of Louis Arlen throwing 100 right, out of the yeah. bullpen. They yeah. like the idea of Brock Stewart as right. a setup man and yeah. all that. And there's still, you know, the Caleb Theobars of the world, although credit to Caleb Theobar, right. he throws about 94 sure. at this point. Yeah, right. But uh, So I think that's the play with these guys, with Stallmont, with Jensen, with other guys. Um, let's see, I have one other thing. I mean, the difference between Stallmont and Jensen is Stallmont's on a major league contract right now. Jensen's yes. not. And so you've got, you know, the upside to Jensen is significantly higher in that you've got him around for six years if you still want him. He's never been on the majors, right? Well, right. But the but odds the, are right. Ryan Jensen will never have even one season as right. good as any it, season as Josh Stallmont had. Right, correct. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Josh Stallmont was, was a really good reliever for about three years, and that, that may not sound like much, but honestly, the average setup man. We've seen this in Twins history. Go back to Juan Rincon and J.C. Romero and right. all these guys. The average setup man, even really good setup men, three, four right. years, are yeah, they right. burn bright that's and they right. fade away. That's and right. so that's why he gets a guaranteed deal and you know other guys are waiver claims in minor league deals. Right. The thing with Jensen, and again, we wouldn't be talking about him if they had made three signings in a trade in the last sure. month or whatever. He's just right. a waiver claim. That's right. all it is. And in but fact, he's a waiver claim of a free of a guy who was a first round pick for the Cubs, you know, back what three years ago, something like that. More than that, I think twenty nineteen, something like that. Um, but he's they claimed them off waivers from a team that claimed them off waivers. Wait, no, that's true. He, he, he's he's had an eventful offseason. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he, he's on his fourth team since mid August. Right, that's it. Yeah. Uh, former first round pick as a starter, really. Never was a top prospect as a starter, in part because of control issues. Relatively recently shifted to the bullpen. The hope, obviously, we've seen this with a million guys in Twins history even. When you're a starter and you have durability issues or you have control issues or your raw stuff is good but not great, the idea is you know, Griffin Jacks or, for that matter, Brock Stewart or Duran even, let alone Joe Nathan and Glenn Perkins and Eddie Gordado and everybody. You shift to the bullpen, and all of a sudden, you add a few miles an hour to your fastball. You don't have to throw 180 innings in a season. You have right. to throw 60. You know, you're throwing 15 inning or 15 pitches at a time instead of 100 pitches at a time, and all that. That's the hope with him is you can big time fastball, upper 90s fastball. You hope with right. him, you know, can he throw more strikes, airing it out for one inning at a time. Right. As opposed to trying to get through the lineup two or three times, we took a look. At, I took a look at his draft profile back when he was drafted, and it was here's a guy with a 98 mile per hour fastball, uh, but he fell to the end of the first round because uh, fringy control. Right. He doesn't know and, where it's going. He doesn't really have a third pitch. Well, right. guess where he is? Yes. he's uh, he's he's on waivers because he's got uh, and and being picked up by several different teams because he's got big big speed. 
He has really he control never really developed, and now he's been moved into a relief role because he doesn't have a third right. pitch. <laughs> what I will say is, so they claim them off waivers from the Marlins. I want to say yes, who they claimed him from the Mariners, right. who had claimed, claimed him from, from the, the Cubs. Cubs. Right now, the Marlins aspect is important because it's my understanding that. And then we won't know this for and, sure. And, and in all these cases, he was sort of one of the last guys on the 40-man roster, and they made some offseason move that they needed right. to clear clear some room. And so – Right, which is the case right. now right. with the Twins. My understanding is that the last time he was waived by the Mariners, like a month ago or a month and a half ago, yeah, the Twins put in a claim for him then. But the Marlins, by virtue of having a worse record – Got him. Got him. Okay. And so then the Marlins did what many teams do, and the Twins may in fact try to do with him still, which is you claim a guy off waivers, you put him on the 40-man roster, and then a day later or a week later or a month later, you either need to take him off the 40-man roster because you need his spot for a signing or something, or you just say to yourself, we like this guy. We'd like him a lot more if you weren't taking up a spot on the 40-man roster. (laughs) So let's pick a time, whether it's a day later or what, where we place him on waivers and we'll cross our fingers and hope that the other 29 teams don't notice that he's on waivers or just aren't at a good time for them in terms of placing someone on the 40-minute roster. They have a roster crunch, let's say, of their own, and they let him pass through waivers because then if you put a guy like Jensen on waivers and he passes through waivers, you get to keep him in the minors without the 40-man roster spot, which is ideal. I suspect, I don't know this to be true, uh, let's put it this way. Don't be surprised if the Twins attempt to do that sure. over the next several weeks. Wow. Regardless of what other moves they make, they could take him off the 40-man roster, place him on waivers, hope that this time he passes through waivers unclaimed, given that he's been on waivers four times already, right. although he's been claimed each time. And the goal would be if we can pass him through waivers, then he's just triple-A depth. That's great. He's in the organization. He doesn't take up a 40-man roster spot. Right. Now, they don't have to. It depends. You know, they don't want to risk right. it or whatever. But that's sort of where he's I mean, at. if they end up – we'll talk a little bit about the center field market here in a century. But if they end up signing a center fielder or trading for a center fielder for a prospect, on the other hand, if they let Polanco off of the 40-man roster, maybe they don't need that spot. Right. You know, we'll see what happens. Right. They got – what are they at, 38 right now? A 40? 37 or 38? 30, I was going to say 39 at this point. I think it's 38. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. So yeah, there's that's uh, Josh Stalmont. Um Potentially a setup caliber guy. And, you know, big time stuff, but huge question mark. Sure. And they don't know the answer to this because right. he's still in the recovery yeah. process. Right. Now, the hope definitely is that he would be ready for opening day, but it's such an uncertain road back from thoracic outlet surgery. Or syndrome surgery. This will be one of the things that we monitor from spring yes. training. So, uh, okay. And, wait, and I, you going to spring training this year? By the way, oh, of course. You, have you got your t- dates figured out? Oh no, but I'll go. Okay. I'll be there early. Yeah, we're setting ours up. I right always now. go early. Uh, yeah, we can do some shows from there. Yes, yeah, for sure we will. Yeah, I'll see you there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's pretend we don't know each other. <laughs> That's a good idea. What's yeah, your name? Right. Bonus. How do you like spell that? Idea. Yeah. Uh, oh, do you know Phil? I it makes Phil. for an odd podcast, though. True. Yeah. <laughs> True. Why are we here with these two mics? Yeah. Which, why, why am I interviewing a stranger? We should pretend we don't know each other and see if we would become friends. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, we hang out. With, listen, John. We hang out with a lot of the same people. <laughs> That's true. So maybe That's we'll right. become That's friends. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, claim Ryan Jensen. Other uh, minor signing. Move minor low wattage was they signed uh, old friend Nico Goodrum yes to a minor league contract. That. People may not remember Nico Goodrum, but he was drafted way back in 2010. Right, 
And he was like wow. a second or third round pick. I think Georgia High School, I want to say. Southern High School. Um, and he made it to the majors with the Twins. He was always somewhere in like the lower 10s, early teens of a prospect on the Twins. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, was a shortstop. Played some center, good athlete, switch hitter, all that stuff. Never had a great breakout in the minors and all right. that. And then he just kind of never got a chance, and he became one of these like organizational soldier type yeah, of guys, right. which is you get to be – you're good. They want to keep you. They're not trying to cut you. Right. And they like having you at like double A AA or triple A, but you're like 25, 26, 27. They're like, right. we like this guy. Eh, we'd like to have him at triple A. And he actually got called up at the end of – I want to say it was one of the garden hire seasons, I think. The like late. I think I thought it was the end of the I thought it was a Molitor season, but I thought it was the end of the Ryan era. So it might have been 2016. Some, okay, that's probably about right. Sound right. Uh, and he got like a few at bats, a few games, and it was at the time I remember them making it clear that it was sort of like a reward yeah, right. for being a well liked longtime organizational that's soldier. Right, yeah. And then he left as a he was dropped from the 40 man roster, and he went uh, to the, the Tigers. To the Tigers, who right. coincidentally had Ron Gardenhire as their manager right. at that point. Yeah. Or shortly after that. Uh, and he had a nice couple of years in Detroit. He got yeah. pr- pretty regular playing time. Yep. He won his way onto that that roster as like a utility man. Yep. He was their starting shortstop for a while. He was their starting third baseman. I mean, he played, you know, three, 400 at-bats. I think maybe even a season with more than that. Showed a little bit of pop. I remember people complaining, how could the Twins have let this guy go? <laughs> sure, right. And then yeah. he had like two years where he was pretty bad for them. Yeah. Uh, and he got to arbitration with them, I think. And then they cut him loose. And then he played one year with the Astros yes. as a utility guy right. and was pretty bad. And then I think he spent last year, I want to say, in Korea? I think that's right. Playing. And I know it was abroad. I right. don't know if it was Japan or it's Korea. Good. Right. Abroad, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to make a joke, but it would be sexist. <laughs> so I'm not going to make it. Abroad. <laughs> anyway. Right. Okay. Uh, now he's back. I think he's 30-something. Has to be 2010. He's 31, maybe. Must be. And he signed a minor league deal with the Twins. And here was is what I would say about that. He is being looked at purely as organizational depth at this point. Sure. Now that doesn't mean he couldn't win no. his way onto the job, no. onto the roster. It doesn't mean if injuries hit the infield, he wouldn't be a, an option midseason. Right. It just means he's no longer viewed as. You know, part of the plan for 2024, he would be a guy you put yeah, he's in St. Paul. He's not going to be on anybody's projected roster right. for the 2024. Tours. But you know, we've seen but stranger things for, happen. He will be in St. Paul. Yes, probably <laughs> if he wants to be. He might have an opt out. Who knows? Uh, I think he would probably be a, a utility role in St. Paul because St. Paul, they're going to have Austin Martin. They're well, going to have Brooks Lee. They're going to have some some other prospects uh, on that front that you're going to want to play. So they may have Austin Martin. Right. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that's Nico Goodrum. Welcome back, old friend. Yeah, Nico Goodrum. Yes. Um, We'll probably see him in spring training. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever talked to him. Uh, Okay. I think that's all I have on those notes. The one other thing we wanted to talk about is a center field situation, which we talked about a lot last week. So we won't get into like the Buxton aspect of it on the last show two weeks ago. Yeah. But the thing that's changed now is. A lot of people have signed. I felt like two weeks ago, I felt like given the Twins payroll situation and given the, I guess, renewed optimism that they seem to have during the winter meetings about Buxton, rightly or wrongly, whatever, that I just felt like the likelihood of them spending any sort of substantial money on a free agent center fielder were much lower than we maybe thought coming into the offseason. And that means Kevin Kiermaier 
Michael A. Taylor as a re-sign possibility, Harrison Bader. Those were really the three guys we kind of focused on. And coming into the offseason, we were like, well, you know, they don't have much money, but, you know, 10, 8 to $12 million on one of those guys right. on a one-year deal could right. work. We were like, well, maybe they want a two-year deal, in which case that's unlikely. I think it just became unlikely because they they don't feel – they didn't feel like $10 million was doable right. at this stage. Yep. And even if they felt it was doable, that's not the place they would prioritize investing what limited – money they have in their self-imposed budget. You toss in the Buxton factor where they're somewhat optimistic relative to where they were, you know, at previous points, that he will be a center field option. And yeah, I think logically that makes sense. Now, two of those three guys have signed since we did our last free show. Uh Kevin Kiermeyer re-signed with the Blue Jays. He would have been my top target. Sure. Uh, he got ten point five million from the Blue Jays on a one year deal. Though. On a one year deal, he's right. thirty three, I think, but he's a you know an all time great defensive player. Had a pretty good year offensively, left handed hitter, bottom of the lineup type of guy. But he would have been the guy I would have targeted first. And I will say that under normal circumstances, for a team that has a need in center field, or you know maybe as a need in center field, if they would have a normal payroll situation this off season. I would absolutely have oh, sure. liked to have spent ten point yes. five million or let's right. say eleven million yeah. on Kevin Kiermeyer. Yep. Uh but I don't think they made him an offer even or anything. Uh so he re signed with Toronto and then yesterday, or the day before, yesterday I think, uh Harrison Bader signed with the New York Mets right. for the identical contract, ten point five really? million. Yeah. I'm surprised. I certainly would have been more willing to give Harrison or, or give Kevin Kiermeyer more money than Harrison Bader. Right. Um, but 10 million is on the higher side. But I think in general, we were like 8 million for Harrison Bader, 8 to 12 on all these yeah, guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little on the high side. On the other hand, I, I, would, I would have thought Kiermeyer would go for more. In, specifically, I thought he was going to get two years. So I thought he was right. going to get 22. And then I would have thought Bader, yeah, comes in at one and eight. So yeah, it does surprise me. Here's the thing. The thing. Mets are owned by the richest owner in I agree. sports. Right. Yeah. What's he care? About two million. Um, he's right handed. Maybe that fits their outfield situation a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, but that, under normal circumstances, is a little more than I probably would have given Harrison Bader. Right. Uh, it now leaves Michael A. Taylor, Taylor as the last, the last non-Cody Bellinger center fielder <laughs> yeah, on the right. free yeah, agent market. Right. I forgot about that. And the right. reason right. we differentiate those guys from Cody Bellinger is Cody Bellinger is going to cost, I don't know, minimally $100 million, right. certainly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe $150, 200000000 million. And so, you know, these guys are eight, ten, twelve million. Michael A. Taylor is probably – Probably feeling pretty good about his situation right now that he's the last man standing. Ten million has kind of been established now as the market for that type of center fielder. There's certainly more teams other than just the Blue Jays and the Mets that are in need of a stopgap one year center fielder, certainly. Right. Including the twins. Including the twins. I just <laughs> I will I will be so they like Michael E. Taylor on and off the field. He did a good job for them essentially replacing Buxton as the starting center fielder. He was uh, well-liked, I will say. He's just a good veteran, calming guy. Uh, again, under normal circumstances with a normal payroll, you know, year-over-year, year, 5 10% rising payroll, one-year $10 million for Michael A. Taylor would be a deal sure. that I certainly would be fine with, yeah. and they probably would be fine with. I just don't think they view center field right now as an area to invest in at all. Uh, and that they may be proven silly in that right. regard or, or wrong in that regard, but I wouldn't expect Taylor now. If he's still available in a month for a one-year $5 million deal, 
Maybe. Yeah, I think I think it, we talked about this two weeks ago, but yeah, my my number one thing is I think they are more likely to go and trade for a you know fringy center fielder, a, a, a good defensive center fielder who isn't particularly See, strong hitter. I don't even think they're going to do that. that. Yeah, I think it's going to be Buxton. And if it's not Buxton, it's going to be Willie Castro. And if it's not Willie Castro, it's going to be Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon. And if it's not any of those guys, it might just be Austin Martin. Right. And, you know, some progression of that midseason. Yes, right. The other thing is, you know, obviously if Buxton is injured and he's just not or, – and or he's only able to DH, right. he's not worth $15 million a year, sure. clearly. He has five years left at $15 million a year on his, on his contract. However, we just got done talking about Harrison Bader, who is purely a defensive value guy <laughs> yeah, the past yeah, right. several yeah, years. He three or four years ago showed some offensive upside, but nowhere near Byron Buxton's offense. His his offense in a good year is close to Byron Buxton's offense in a bad, bad year. year. Right. Um, Provided Buxton can still run around center field. Exactly. <laughs> right. well, that's yeah, the, right. that's the thing. But we just talked about how coming off back to back horrible years by Harrison Bader offensively, still a really good defender, but he's also thirty and you know. Right. He's getting $10.5 million. Byron Buxton at $15 million, is that more than the Twins would like to have committed for the next five years? Absolutely. Is that contract upside down in the sense that if they tried to trade him, first of all, he'd have to wait if there's no trade, but they'd have to eat some money to unload that contract? Absolutely. But I have zero doubt that if Byron Buxton were a free agent right now, which, by the way, he would be if they hadn't signed him to that extension, if he were willing to sign a one-year deal, he'd get more than Harrison Bader, right? Yeah, probably. So. Yeah, right. What's the gap between paying him fifteen right. million and paying Harrison Bader ten right. and a half million? Yes. The gap is really what the future is. Right. But for a one year thing, let's put it this way: you remove Byron Buxton from this roster and his contract from this roster. Well, then they really would have a need in center field. They would have to find someone right. to play center field. We'd be sitting here going, "Hey, Byron Buxton on a one year fifteen million dollar deal might <laughs> not be the end of the world." Right. Yeah, that's fair. So that's, that's kind of how I'm, I'm viewing that in the that's context fair. of that. So that's the center field situation. I would expect Buxton. Maybe you catch fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. right. It's the same yeah, thing. Right. It's yeah, like, right. well, he's young, still 30, yeah, same yeah. age as Bader, younger than Kiermaier, younger right. than Michael A. Taylor. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I think Buxton is atop that depth chart, which was not the case this time last year. They were planning on this DH only thing that didn't really work. A uh, couple other things before we finish up here on the free agent side since we last spoke. Some, some twins adjacent or former twins who have signed that of interest. Feel free to just comment on these. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mitch Garver got a two-year, yeah. $24 million Seattle, deal right? from Seattle. Uh, they have Cal Raleigh as an all-star catcher. Right. <coughs> so He's going to be mostly DH. Yes, yeah. which I think is good probably for him at this stage. I mean, Mitch Garver was n- never a great defensive catcher. Is he going to be a backup catcher? I think. Well, maybe, but I think he's going to be their a third DH. catcher? Yeah, I think okay. he's going to be their DH basically. Okay. Uh you know, he hasn't caught regularly and stayed healthy basically ever. I mean, it's been years. Yeah. Um, you know, he's 33, I want to say. I think that's the best role for him. I mean, it, I, I, I don't want to – I'm sure the Mariners, and if I signed Garver, I would feel the same way. You don't want to say to him, you know, throw out your catching gear. Right. And it'd be nice if he could catch once a week or something like that to just from a flexibility standpoint or a you sure. know, emergency standpoint. But he just has had such trouble staying healthy and yet has been so productive right. as a right-handed power bat when healthy that, you know, what's the what percentage of his potential value is gained or lost by catching? 
I just want his bat in the lineup. Well, you know, yeah. it's, at some point you've got. I mean, it depends on how much. I mean, it's just kind of similar to what the Twins were trying with Buxton last year. True, right? right? I mean, yes. But I think even I mean, Garver was never that position is hard to fill. But Garver was never a great defender. He was okay as a right. defender, uh, and also at thirty three, the odds of remaining a good you know durable catcher at thirty three. We just talked about this with Maurer is low, regardless of injuries. And he's I don't I don't think Mitch Garver's ever had four hundred at bats in a season ever. Uh, in his life and, you know, of late. But he was good for the Rangers last year in a part-time role, DH heavy role. Uh, he's always crushed left-handed pitching. We saw that with the Twins. He, he'll he give you a good at-bat. He has a lot of right-handed power. Uh, I think that's a decent signing for, for Seattle for that role and also for Mitch Garver to get a multi-year deal at $12 million a, a year at age 33 in his first trip to free agency, what might be his only trip to free agency. That's three times the salary he's ever made in a season before. Uh, so I think that's a decent decent payday for him to get a multi-year deal in a market where we just talked about Kiermaier. A lot of guys who are 30-plus, you know, mid-level for agents are not even getting a second year. Right. Uh, they're getting one year. So I don't know. I th- I'm taking a look at the catching breakdown for the Mariners last year. Rally had 114, Murphy had 41, O'Keefe 4, and Torrance 1. So yeah. You know, you can see them. 114 is on the high side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's and one of the. Especially, I just take a look at like the breakdown here. In uh, September, there were three games that he did not start. Right. In the, well, all they, of September. They needed to win in right, September. Uh, that's right. And he's a really good catcher. Right. Uh, so, I, so I can see them doing something like, you know, he's get 114, and then maybe they, maybe they go as high as. 20 of Garver, something like that. And yeah. I don't know if they. I also to... wouldn't be surprised if Garver is a DH first base instead of a DH catcher. Well, at that's this, true too. At this stage. Yep. But yeah, I think that's a decent fit. Um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. Who <laughs> technically is an old friend, even yes, though it was right. about three days. <laughs> not even three days. Yep. But they did produce a jersey that yes. he wore for a picture. I'll never forget. <laughs> There's a picture of him arriving at spring training. Uh, or not? Maybe not even spring training. Was it no, during it was spring, not spring training? training. He uh, must have just come. It might. No, it was spring training because it was the lockout year. Right. So they went immediately yeah, into you're right. spring training. There's yeah. a picture of him in a jersey shaking Rocco Baldelli's hand that they posted <laughs> on Twitter, and then like 30 hours later, it was he was right. been traded to yeah, the Yankees in the jo- in the uh, Josh Donaldson. That dump. would be an underrated jersey to find at Target Field these days. Yeah, Isaiah that, would, that would be a fantastic uh, one. He's related to Mitch Garver in that that's how they got him originally. Okay. He was on the Rangers, uh, shortstop utility, actually former catcher himself, uh, and they traded Mitch Garver to the Rangers for Kiner Falefa and Ronnie Henriquez, right. who was a prospect right. at the time, yeah, who's right. kind of flamed out a little bit. Um, they were going to use him as their starting shortstop, and then they traded him to dump Josh Donaldson's salary on the Yankees to get Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez in return and then sign Carlos Correa right, to be yeah. the shortstop. Uh, so he got, and I'm, this is one of... Is Ronnie Enriquez still in the 40-man? No, dropped from the 40-man, okay. but still in the organization. Okay, yeah. So he's another one of those guys that yeah. would be in spring training probably. This, to me, the kind of for left the uh, contract, two years, $17 million from the Blue Jays, and it sounds like they might just start him at third base because they lost or they're potentially losing Matt Chapman, who's like an all-star third baseman, to free agency. It oh, doesn't sound like right. they're going to re-sign him. Huh. Uh, Kyron is like a, a, a solid utility guy, you know, uh, runs well, can play everywhere defensively. 
but here's his OPS plus the last three years. <laughs> yeah. 78, which means he's 20%, 22% worse than the league average. 78, 84, 85. I mean, that's not starting caliber unless you're a gold glove shortstop, basically. Right. To get two years, now $17 million is not some massive payday or something, but two years guaranteed at that. And then to want to give him a, a starting job, is uh, it's interesting. Uh, for a team that's been pretty offense-driven, I would say the Blue Jays. So I, that's one of the more – I would not have pegged him, given the rest of the market, as getting a two-year deal, right. I guess is, is what I'm saying. I uh, I wonder a little bit if uh, that's a reflection on what the Twins – what that says to me is Kyle Farmer might be of interest well, actually out there. Too, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean a one-year six-plus-million-dollar six deal for Kyle Farmer doesn't look like such a bad deal right? for – for some, I mean, he could. He's, I would think I. Well, I wouldn't take him fielding wise over Falefa, but I take him as an overall. Sure. Overall, yes. He's definitely a better hitter, especially especially if you're looking for somebody to hit versus left-handed pitching. I would yes. definitely. Oh, he's definitely right. a better hitter. Now, he's not a better fielder, but right you know, depends what your need is. But yeah, for I'd rather have far. I'm trying to think. Would I rather have if they were both one year, six and a half million? Yeah, I'd probably rather have Farmer. It's close, though. But I'd rather have Farmer on one year than, right. than Fluff That's on two. undeniable. Right. Uh, a couple other of note signings. Uh, Frankie Montes. Yeah. Who is not a former twin. No. But has had many memes made about him by uh, <laughs> Twins fans right. on Twitter. That's it. Uh, to the point that I asked Derek Falvey if he had seen the Where Frankie <laughs> meme. Right, yeah. Uh, which was him and Levine. I don't even know what it's from. It's from some show or cartoon or something uh-huh. where it was – you know, photoshopped Levine <laughs> and Falvey heads on whatever this was right. saying, where Frankie, because right. fans uh, at the deadline two years ago, I guess, the trade deadline, or even in spring training. I think it was spring training. <laughs> yeah. It was clear that the Twins were looking to trade for a starting pitcher. Right. They ended up trading for Tyler Malley around at that right. deadline. Yes. But Frankie Montes, uh, who had been with Oakland, was a prominent name being mentioned as a right. trade candidate right. that spring and then leading up to the deadline two years ago. And the Twins were interested. I can confirm that. I mean, they definitely right. had talks with Oakland that spring for sure right. about Montes. Um, they ended up trading – Oakland traded him to the Yankees. Right. And That's for how, for however bad the Tyler Malley uh, era in Minnesota went, which is he made like six starts, was never healthy, right. tore his yeah. elbow and got – you know, became a free agent. He was m- both more effective and more durable right. for the Twins than Frankie Montes was for the Yankees. Right. Yes. I'm not exaggerating. Right. Um, Frankie Montes now is healthy in the sense that he threw one inning for the Yankees, I think, in the final day of the season last right. year. Or yes. the final weekend, I think. Uh, and so now he signed with the Reds one year, $16 million. And that is a clear you know, upside play, and that's a common thing. Wow. You know, Luis Severino signed, I think, for $12 million with the Mets, a similar deal. Right. These formerly really good starting pitchers what, who are coming we, back from injury. That is the type of contract we projected for it's him. It's a lot more money. It's just a little more money than we thought. I, th- I think we were closer to like 12 Here's a. Right? I think this speaks to just inflation. It's like when I complain yeah, that the right. prices at McDonald's are so much right. higher than it was when I was a kid. It's a common thing I complain about. <laughs> Double cheeseburger it used to be 79 cents. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Becky's like, well, yeah, but you used to be watching a VHS while you bought them. Like, what are you talking about? But anyway, now they're $9. But anyway, I also just wonder to the extent that like teams like the Twins, there are more and more teams who are every offseason target the 
comeback, bounce back, high upside injury starter. Okay, yeah. And they're trying to get him on one-year deals. It's become sort of every offseason we're like, well, here's four of those guys. Well, if enough teams are starting to kind of target and prioritize those guys, they go from being like a medium risk, high upside to right. over almost in a way like overpriced. Right. Yeah. Because the thing is, like obviously, if a healthy Frankie Montes would get a hundred million or something, well, healthy and effective, yeah. Yes. Right. But even if he were just sort of had, let's say, he had made eight starts down the stretch last year and been pretty decent. In my mind, well, what is that worth? Maybe twenty million a year as a starting pitcher. I mean, we right. saw that yeah. with like Sonny yeah. Gray got twenty five million. Yeah. Well, they're paying sixteen million a year. He's thrown one inning in the last two years. Like it's it's you're paying much closer now to like the going rate yeah. than the like sort of we're taking a risk. We should yeah, get it at right. half yeah. price. Now it doesn't mean it's a bad move. The one thing I will say about this one is. On these one-year it deals. Like it was a thin pitching market, too. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, I mean, well, though there's still a few names out there. But, yeah. Right. I just mean, like, if everyone's targeting the same, uh, like, low-risk, high-reward, they, right. they yes. the price is getting yeah, Of course. Like, right. But here's what right. I'll say about Montes and similar to some other players in this situation is if he's really good and healthy for them, first of all, you'll love to – Pay him sixteen million. It's a mutual option, but those never get picked up because if he's right. really good, he'll decline it, and if he's injured, they'll decline it. But let's say he's really good, and you say, "Oh, they should have signed him to a multi-year deal or something like that." Except that means they got you know an all-star caliber year for sixteen million, which any team would be happy to right. do. And if he's really good, they can make him the qualifying offer. He'll reject it, and then they get a first-round pick that they've basically created from scratch. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, that you, might that be one of the reasons why yes. we're seeing a bunch of pre- premium prices on yeah. these guys. You're so I think that's a really good point. That's part of the equation. Thank you, John. Yeah, it's first, first of the new year. <laughs> might not right. be a second. <laughs> you're right. It's you good never to know. put one check on the board right away, exactly. and then it's like November, and I'm like, I'm waiting for that second. <laughs> that was a good point for me. Um, <laughs> last one on this on this front, Lucas Giolito. Yeah. Uh, who has started more games against the Minnesota Twins in the target field era than any pitcher except Justin Verlander and Rick Porcello, which is a good stat. I only remember that because I tweeted <laughs> that out amazing. in a stat. And also was relevant to the Twins last year because he got claimed off waivers by the Guardians and started the game that I will forever point to as the moment at which the Twins won the division <laughs> or put them away from right, the division. Right, yes, I agree. Which is he gave up, I believe, approximately 1,000 runs. In two-thirds of yes, innings. Yes, I think it was 10. I want to say <laughs> yes. 9 or 10 it runs. It was a lot of runs. It was a lot of runs. And that was also the yeah. game where... It was, I think it was his first start for the, the yes, Guardians. Yes, it was. Yeah. And he only made like, I don't know how many starts for right, the Guardians, right. but it wasn't that many. Um, that was also the game where... Miles Straw, their center fielder, overran the ball in center field. Oh, right. And that became a meme in itself. A lot of memes mentioned on the show. <laughs> um, this is me being 41 and trying to feel like I'm young by mentioning <laughs> memes. Right. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Memes. Uh, he got – there was a lot of speculation. We talked a lot about what like what he, what he type of deal should he be going for as a healthy right. but formerly very good all-star caliber pitcher who struggled two years ago – was pretty good in the first half last year. Went through that horrible situation where he gets waved, waved again, picked up. He's on three teams in a month and all that. But he was so bad in the second half, right. including for Cleveland, obviously, like we just talked about, that his ERA jumped like from I don't know. I think he had like an eight ERA in the second half. Or it something was like terrible. That. And so, 
and he, but he's still relatively young and from a stuff he was especially terrible with Cleveland. Yes, which was very helpful <laughs> yeah, to yeah. this one. Um, but so like we debated at the beginning of the offseason, if you're Lucas Giolito and his agent, do you want to pursue just a straight up one year deal and really bet on yourself bouncing back and then getting a hundred million dollar deal if you prove yourself that you're an all star again, or if you don't have that much faith in yourself, right. do you want like a three-year deal right. where you can sign and get comfortable somewhere, get some success, guarantee yourself 40 or 50 million, and then still have the chance to get one more, you know, crack at free agency? So he sort of split the difference right. there. He signed a two-year deal. It's an interesting structure to the deal. I think I have this right. But two years, 38 and a half million with the Red Sox, which is Almost twenty million a year. I mean, that's not again. That's yeah. an upside play, but you're almost paying kind of market value. Like right. a fully healthy and effective Lu- Lucas Giolito would have signed for more years. Sure, but I don't know that he would have gotten more than twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four million dollars a year, sure. or something like that. Uh, but this deal with the Red Sox is two years, thirty-eight and a half million, with an opt-out, a player opt-out after the first year. And so, if he has a great year. He can say, see ya. Oh, okay. I'll yeah, go the, get the that, Yeah, that player opt-out makes it a big right. difference, right? More and more contracts are uh, including player opt-outs and that sort of thing, which yeah. is interesting because I think we don't do a good job because it's a relative. I don't hate that from a team standpoint either. I can see why that does become popular because from a player's standpoint, it's like, this is a make-good deal, but I also kind of got my second year guaranteed if I suck. Right. <laughs> right. It, it, <laughs> it, it lowers the upside for the team because if right. he has a great year, he'll just opt out. Right. On the other hand, like with Frankie Montes, if he has a great year, you'll have been happy to have right. paid him $18 million for a yeah. great year. Where it sucks is if he has a crap right. year. Or he's hurt, stuck, then you're stuck right. with a second year. Right. Although, even if he just has sort of a eh, meh year right. and doesn't opt out and you're paying him, I don't know, $19 million for 2025, well, he's just proven that that's sort of his market right. rate yeah. anyway. But you know, that's an interesting signing. I, I like him as a, a bounce-back candidate. Uh, again, I think in a normal circumstance, he might be a guy the Twins would have targeted. I don't know if they would have paid the, that sort of price because I think that's on the higher side of what I was expecting. But it's an interesting, an interesting signing for for Boston. In but terms the, of the high end pitching market, then do we still have Snell out there mm-hmm. and Stroman and Mon- Montgomery? Montgomery yeah. Right, that's yeah. it. Right, those yep. three pretty big. Um, I mean, those guys are all going to get multi year, three four, three plus year deals. Yeah, although I've heard Strowman's market is not not good at all. Really? Uh, from I don't know what that means, but huh. for whatever that's worth, because he opted out. Yes. Of. Uh, yeah. Not a huge remaining contract with the Cubs, but a decent decent right. pay with the Cubs. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure my expectation is Snell and Montgomery are going to sign for well over a hundred million. million. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, okay, so those are the, those are those signings. Uh, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. You know, I was confident that the, a move was coming. We've had some off seasons past where you and I get cute and we say, "Be ready for a move." Right. There's one coming. I think we're at the stage of the off season, just from a timing perspective, that the moves can come anytime. The the there are no more right. dominoes that need to fall right. from a free agency standpoint that open up. You know, a Polanco trade, a Kepler trade, a Farmer trade, a Tasker Hernandez trade. Uh, no, okay. I mean, there's still some good players, but I just sure. mean no, I the, get you. the chess pieces have started right. to move enough, and it's late enough in the process. We're right. in 2024, after all, that you know, we're starting to talk about spring training booking, right. that you right. can go ahead and just make your moves. I'm just not confident what those moves are, when those moves will be. I don't think they're going to sign anybody of any significance from just a free agent standpoint. No, I don't think so either. Uh, so, well, I've, I think Taylor may be still in play. We'll see. I would. I mean, that'd be nice, but... Yeah. Uh, but I would say it's less than a 50% chance. Right. right. Um, 
so yeah, that's uh, we'll, we'll obviously you still think there's better than fifty percent chance that uh, that uh, Polanco and or Kepler. Like, you think there's still a hundred percent chance that either Polanco or Kepler are not on this team by the time spring training rolls around? Uh, if you include Farmer, if you include Farmer, I'll say sure. there's a hundred percent chance. But if I just take Polanco, Kepler, it's a little iffier. I, I mean, I think there are scenarios where you could trade one of Farmer or Polanco, yes. and the guy who isn't traded, right. Kind of platoons yeah. like Farmer could platoon with Julian. Right. Polanco, I mean, I don't know what you'd have to play Julian at DH first base a little bit more, right. but there's yes. room. Right. There's just not like, like there from a infield mix standpoint, there isn't room for everybody. Right. But even just from a 26 man roster standpoint, if you're keeping Willie Castro and Nick Gordon yeah, well, yeah. and a backup catcher, yeah, I'm not sure you are, but keep going. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, Castro's definitely going to be on the team. They've yeah, got Nick Gordon, Gordon for a million. Yeah. They could trade him, obviously. But I'm, at some point, you just don't. They're not going to have a five man bench. I mean, you're only going to have a four man yeah, right. bench. Don't so, right. uh, somebody, something's got to give. And also, just if you, if they're not, they are going to make changes. I mean, Josh Stamon is not going to be the big addition right. of the offseason. And if it's not going to be in free agency, or, or I'll say this like, if it's not going to be free agency, it's got to be trade. And if it's in trade, right. you're either trading away prospects or those names we just mentioned. Right. And even if you are. Let's say they do end up signing someone of some significance in free agency. To do that, unless the payroll situation has changed, would first require or sort of in tandem require trading the salaries of Polanco, Kepler, Farmer, Farmer, Vasquez, one of those guys. Well, here's the thing. I didn't expect – I wasn't sure that Farmer would be offered arbitration in the first place. So, yeah, like I still feel like there's a – 75% 75% chance that Farmer isn't on this team. I on agree. Opening day, I agree right? with that. I think what's keeping him on this team is they haven't, they are still trying to see what they can, right? If they can if move you, Polanco. If you somebody, trade Polanco, right? like, like Polanco suddenly makes, you know, Polanco makes a lot of sense for the Brewers. The Brewers have Corbin Burns. Right. And, you know, it's like, well, no, if you trade Polanco, yes, right. Now, you could certainly trade Polanco and Farmer, and you're still you in decent shape. Still right, right. But if you trade Polanco, then suddenly Farmer is more of a true backup. Right. He can platoon with Julian. There's more of an opportunity to get like 300 at-bats yeah. for him. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we did talk about you know, not a lot has happened over the last two weeks. or you know, But we are at the point, like you said, where about 50% of all the free agents have sort of right. signed. A lot of the, uh, the biggest a, num- a number of the trades have been made. There's still a bunch of trades kind of sure. sitting out there. We do our – we are within – Six weeks now of spring training, right? Probably pitcher catcher report. I think Valentine's Day. That's so, the, in in some ways, the the room to maneuver or the room to wait is sort of shrinking, <laughs> you know, right? right? But, well, and but, also you in terms of time frame and in terms of available players and in terms of available trades, you know, it's um, agreed. Plus the arbitration process, right? Will yeah. start. Well, that's true too. This month, late this yeah. month, I think the twenty something. Uh, where the guys you offer these contracts to, you got to start paying them. You will know. You'll, you'll determine know. what the right. price is at least, that's right. and that's going to spur some trades. Have obviously, we, have we we haven't gone through the point where each team is submitting a number yet, have we? I don't think so. I don't it's, think so either. I haven't it's coming heard about up. It. Yeah, it's got to be right around the corner, it's within here. weeks, right? Uh, so that will spur some trades. It doesn't necessarily change anything, but you would like to like avoid going through an arbitration hearing with Kyle Farmer if your plan with Kyle Farmer is just to trade him anyway. Right, right. You would like his new team to handle that, to right. determine the price and right. to determine all that. Uh, also, these hearings can get kind of hairy. Uh, it's, you'd like to avoid it just in general. Because sure. it's not like sure. – it's not quite a roast of the player. But the goal of the team is to 
suppress the salary. Right. And so to do that, they will downplay the value of that, that player. player right. And we've heard from players, both with the Twins or uh, just in general, who come out of the hearing thinking, boy, they hate me. <laughs> like <laughs> right, yeah, They right, said right. I stink and my defense <laughs> yes. was bad and I didn't drive in runs. Yeah. And man. It's a, it's a, it's so a bucket like to, of cold water. Yeah, the, you'd the like to avoid it yep. in general. You'd especially just like to avoid it. Like, why do we want to say Kyle Farmer's bad and then just trade Kyle Farmer? Like, yeah. uh, the last thing, I looked this up because, again, I'm, I'm feeling old. Do, do you know how many, if any, Major League Baseball players who were active last season Uh-oh. are older than, than me you at this stage? Or more than 41 years old Correct. at this point. 41 in two days now is how old I am. I will say two. Okay, so going into last season, the start of last season, okay. there were three. Okay. Nelson Cruz, right, who's yeah. done. Done, yep. Adam Wainwright, who is done. Yeah. And Justin Verlander? Is no. Justin Verlander was born <laughs> 35 days after me. Okay. He was right, next okay, on the list. Right. I looked it up. Okay. This is how old I'm feeling. I actually looked it up. But yes, Justin Verlander was born in February. I was born in January of right. 1983. Uh, Rich Hill. Oh, of course. Who is two full years and some older than yeah, me. Yeah, right, right. He's, he signed with somebody? No, but he pitched last year for the Pirates <laughs> right, yeah. and one of the team, I think. Uh, Rich Hill. We are rooting for Rich Hill. Yes, I need Rich Hill to keep going. Uh, but Listen, we've always been rooting for Rich yes, Hill. But Rich Hill, yeah. what was that, four years ago? Three years yeah. ago? When he was with the Twins. Right. Uh, he was old as hell. <laughs> I can say this. I was in my 30s then. Right, yeah, exactly. I was a young man. Right, right. Uh, he was 40 then. Right. He, yeah. I'll always remember Rich Hill. He, not very, super nice guy who turns into a maniac on the mound. Right. The most dad vibes you've ever seen. I will remember in <laughs> Fort Myers, um, he signed the same year that they signed Marwan Gonzalez and traded for Kenta. So was that 2020? Yeah, 2020. Okay. Um my memory of him in the in the club so that was my first season covering the team full time too. My memory of him in the Fort Myers clubhouse is him sitting cross legged in a office chair yeah. by his locker, uh, reading the newspaper, uh, in like a dad robe, sipping or coffee <laughs> with his son next to him sitting on the floor opening packs of baseball cards. <laughs> So it was very clear. That's like my first memory of Rich Hill. I walked in. Christmas morning. He had like his slippers on. Yeah, that's exactly right. He had his slippers on. He might have been doing a literal crossword in the newspaper. He was definitely, he had the newspaper fully splayed out on him. He was sipping like a Starbucks or whatever. Uh, and his kid clearly had been given this pa these packs of baseball cards just to have him relax. <laughs> like you're with me today because <laughs> to the Twins yeah, allow right. kids right. to be around. I think it's part of what they're going for, the vibe of it all. Uh, and I remember that. And yeah, Rich Hill was always extremely uh, good to talk to. He has a million stories. He knows everybody. He was very forthcoming and interesting. And then you'd see him on the mound and he was just yelling expletives at himself, at others, screaming, throwing the rosin bag down. And then you'd talk to him after and he'd be like, hi, guys. What, what questions <laughs> do you have for me? I'm going to go read the newspaper. 146 innings last year he threw. Yeah. And he was... I mean, he, he was that bad, good, but he right. was effective. Right, uh, throwing. He got traded at the deadline, didn't he? I think somebody? so. Yeah. yeah, he was with Pittsburgh. I know. Uh, and he throws. I mean, 
Twins fans probably remember right, three, four years ago right. when he was with the Twins, he was throwing 86 right. with his fastball. It was all about the curveball, obviously. Last year, I believe his fastball was like 84 miles. I mean, you have to think, but he's already well past this point. Yeah. And by the way, go look up Rich Hill's baseball reference page, which I think you're looking he will at. Turn, I'm looking at his rotowire, actually. He will he, turn 44 shortly after opening day next year. I need him to keep going. Um, <laughs> look at his career. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, Nelson Cruz is an example, Justin Verlander, Adam Wainwright. If you're still playing at 40, let alone 43, the odds are that in your 20s, you were Cy Young, MVP, all-star caliber guy. Right. Because those are the guys who are still great. You know, Jim Tomey is an example of this, obviously. Uh, You know, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, those type of guys. If you're still a good player at 40, you must have been amazing at 25 or 30. Right, yes. But if you go look at Rich Hill, Rich Hill was barely in the majors right. at those ages. You're right. He had control problems. He bounced around. He pitched for a thousand different teams. Rich Hill didn't even like get good until he was like 30, yeah. basically. Right, yeah. Um, and so for him to still be pitching at 43 is just one of the – and by the way eh, – for 10 years now, he hasn't thrown 90 miles an hour. 19-year career. Yes. Career 4.01 ERA. Yeah, it's amazing. That's nuts. Yeah. And much better in his 30s and 40s yeah, than he was in I, his 20s. I believe that. Yeah, um, yeah it's 1,405 innings. Yeah. That's, uh, so anyway, I need Rich Hill to keep going for us old. Because <laughs> now... I mean, we've reached the point where, you know, like the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors and all that stuff, that'll make you feel old, okay. obviously. But I'm tr- I'm tr- we're to- at the point now where we're getting close to grandsons. Uh, For instance, yeah. I saw a video on Baseball America the other day that Prince Fielder's son, which would be <laughs> wow. Ce- Cecil, Cecil Fielder's, Fielder's grandson, grandson yeah. is a 16-year-old like wow. projected first round pick two years from now in wow. wherever he lives, wow. high school in I don't know Texas or something like that. Well, and I'm I thought, sure there's some grandsons playing. Oh, the guys that I was watching. But I right. mean, you know, you got Tory Hunter Jr. You got all these Vladimir. Right. Gra- yeah. Like we're we're old enough that well, you're definitely old. you're gonna right. Well, you'll start to. See I was just trying to think like if I was trying to do a similar comp, it would start to be like how many managers are younger than me. <laughs> Yeah, or how many managers well, are older? Than I joke me. about this with Baldelli that thank God he'll always be a few months older than me because <laughs> otherwise it's like I'm covering a manager who's young, but he's like within a year of me for sure. He certainly is a much younger spirit than me, but right. that's yes. always been <laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> yeah, that's not him. When I was a kid, I'm a younger spirit. Yes. Than you. <laughs> when I was a kid, talking thirteen, my friends called me Papa Gleams <laughs> because I acted like a yeah, grandfather. That's right. Where I'd or be right. like. Are we sure we want to go out tonight? Like, yeah. wouldn't it be better if we just stayed home and played Madden? Yeah, maybe we just get some matzo ball soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think it's risky to smoke cigarettes? I, mean, I know, but I know there'll be girls there, but like, don't you guys want to just. Anyway. Um, so I need Rich Hell to keep going for us old folks. You're, you're. I wonder yeah. who the. I, I wonder. I was going to say, how many managers are older than me? Oh, a lot fewer than it used yeah, to be because. I know. The, I, that'll the, be the, that'll be my similar 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 comp is when I, when will the we get to the point where the yeah. last manager you still, still got like Bruce Bosey yeah. old ass is still there <laughs> right yeah. I'm trying to think who I mean Dusty Sh- Baker just retired Showalter's still around no he got fired, yes did he? Angels did they hire him oh they they, they uh, I think it was I the Angels uh, but yeah the, the prototype of a manager I hope Showalter's older than me Jesus oh he's definitely older. <laughs> 
John's only 70, so. <laughs> no, what are you, 56, you said? 56. Yeah. Does it? We shouldn't say this, because now people are reconsidering their uh, listenership to this podcast, now that it's <laughs> a 41-year-old right. and a 56-year-old. Buck Showalter's 67, I'm good. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. We got Bochi. I'm trying to think who else. Dusty was the oldest manager, I think, and he's retired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the prototype of like what teams look for in a manager now is the recently retired is viewed favorably. Right. Where it's like yeah, 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 Baldelli right. and, yeah, and Kevin Cash right. yeah, and that right. type of player. Um, I'm just supposed to say one thing. Yeah, when we started this podcast, then we'll shut up. Which was, what did we say, 2012? Yeah. So 2011. That, August of 2011. 2011. So I was, tw- August of 2011. That means I was, what does that mean? Wait, that was 12 years ago? So I was 28. When we started the podcast? 28. Okay. And you were, uh, let's see, 40. I should be able to do this math. Uh, 13 minus me, so I was 43, something like that. You were basically my age now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's about right. And I thought you were old as yeah. aspect. <laughs> now I really, I recognize you were a young man of only 42 <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, and when to- we I met. the White Sox to rehire Tony LaRusse is what I did. <laughs> so do the twins are want that too. The White Sox probably don't want. Tim Anderson's gone, so maybe that's easier to do now. Um, when we started, is he signed? No, Tim Jesus. Anderson is not signed. Okay. Uh, when we started blogging in 2002, that's when we first. I don't think we met right. in 2002, but we yeah. definitely met a year later. I would say. But when we started blogging we met in 2002, the winter of 2002, 2003, uh, I think that's when we met. Yeah. Okay. Um, at Aaron's baseball blog. And twinsgeek.com. Yeah, right. I was uh, 19. Yeah, I was 35. In 2002, yeah. 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 You were yo- you were six years younger than I am now <laughs> when you started blogging. Yeah, that's right. Just look at all you've got ahead of you. Yeah. All that I've accomplished. I'm looking at it. Years. It looks great. <laughs> this is it? This is what I'm looking at the mirror? I don't know. As I say, da- J- John will dance on my grave. I'm sure of that. But he's going to have to wait in line. <laughs> it's going to be a popular place. It's going to be the most popular dance club in the Twin Cities. I'd probably be maybe shuffle. Yeah, with your walker. Exactly. You're going to have to push Becky off so she, you can dance. There might be a couple of columnists on there. Laval yeah. might be on there that I'm making yeah. fun yeah. of him yeah. now right. today. Uh, okay, that's it. Thank you guys uh, for listening to us into the new year. I look- hope that the fact that our combined age now is nearing uh, 100 that's when right. we should end the show. Really. <laughs> when our combined age is a hundred, that's only like a year. It's like and three a, years yeah, from now, not not it's even two years from now. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half from now, right? <sighs> oh, boy. boy, we might need to bring in some young blood. <laughs> when, uh, when who's the combined- youngest person we know who can come in? Then we can average it out. We need like a twelve-year-old so we can average age of like thirty. Uh, yeah, that would help, right? That's a good idea. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got some writers. <laughs> John's always got a crop of sophomores in college who are right re- pumping out content for this uh, for this uh, sweatshop he's running at Twins Daily. That's right. Okay. Well, I mean, the MLB beat uh, the Twins beat isn't the oldest beat in the world either. No, I was really upset when Bobby Nightingale joined. Great guy, but he's younger than me. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, it's closer right. than I that's thought, right. but he's younger than me right. because. Somehow, yeah, Doe, you got Betsy. They're I've known Doe now young. for like 20 years, yeah. and he's 25 years old still. <laughs> yeah, somehow. You know what I mean? Exactly right. Yeah, right. And, and 
here's what I think happened with Doe is I think he lied to everyone <laughs> and he inflated his age. Yeah, yeah. I know he did this with he his. Start, he started to Stanford when he was 13. <laughs> See, I knew when I met him. It was good we put this at the end because there's no way he's going to hear this. <laughs> right. But I knew when I met him that he graduated really early, that he was sort of a, yeah. I mean, he was a genius kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize he graduated early with two degrees. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, I think right. so. Right. So he has like a master's from Stanford also. Right, yes. And he got that and the regular degree by 20. Oh, I'm pretty sure That's crazy. because he started this job a year earlier than me. And like I said, somehow he's still 25. But my theory with Doe is that he inflated his age to us at first <laughs> because he was really like 21. Yeah. And he yeah, said, I'm yes. 23. And then the next year we go, how old are you, Doe? And he goes, I'm 23. And then the next year, how old are you, Doe? 23. Yep. So now he's yeah, 25 right. for like the fourth time. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm 200. Betsy at least hit 30. So that helps. Dan <laughs> right, is old as... Shit. He won't be dancing <laughs> on my grave. He'll be next to me. Oh, he's he, a lot younger than me. I know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Not not uh mentally too, yeah. He is he's he's closer to your age than he is to mine. He's, he's yeah, that's true. Right, a lot closer, yeah, I think. I'm, I'm counting on you know, livers and kidneys holding up better <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? Uh yeah, he's counting on we'll he's counting on blood pressure yeah. we'll and uh, heart yeah. holding up I better for him. I think his hip doesn't hurt every day, I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah, that's probably true too. <laughs> Royce, right. he's going to outlive us all too, so that's the thing about that. that all right. know. He'll be dancing on my grave. Okay, if this are, is a great you, way to end the first show of the year. Uh, if you're yearning for more Gleaming the Geek, I don't know that we're doing an episode next Friday. I think we've got the ninth off. Yeah, we're going to do one midweek this upcoming week on the Patreon side. Yeah, and it's going to be, I think, on the... Uh, Twins minor leagues. We'll talk some prospects. Maybe yeah. we'll do mailbag or something like that. We'll see. Uh, or we got a big trade to talk about. Yeah, maybe. That's yeah, we, we all may have some emergency. Uh, I've traded emergency John right. for a college sophomore to be named later. <laughs> maybe some winter meltdown. Winter meltdown details at the time. So yeah, uh, check out the Patreon for sure. We will be doing that. We'll definitely be covering the prospects. Thank you to HelloFresh and to BetterHelp, our two sponsors. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, hopefully next week. Good evening.